This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to move through by way of review what we saw last Sunday evening. The question is, who is qualified to counsel and disciple others in the church? The scripture already has given us the answer to that. Jesus told his disciples before he went back to heaven, he said, go make disciples. Lead people to Christ. And then he says, I want you, each of you, to teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of this age. All right. So there is a, a fact, a question that is uh, being batted around today, hotly debated, in fact. That's your first blank in the handout. Who is qualified to do this counseling? And I prefer to look at it as discipleship because in his word, God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. I give you some integrationalists. These integrationalists, you can see some of them listed here, say, yeah, the Bible can help us in some ways, but the Bible never promised to have the answers for everything. And I strongly disagree. There are biblicists who agree with what God has said in his word. Peter, under inspiration, tells the church God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, how to live life, how to be godly through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All right, and there, there were many years that the church believed that and then some secularists decided they were smarter than God. Freud, Skinner, Rogers... Biblicists, by the way, and I don't want to be unkind, but we call them the three stooges of psychotherapy. Guilt isn't real, or if it is real, we should just ignore it. And by the way, the sin isn't your problem, it's your environment, it's your parents, it's, wait a minute, stop. God doesn't teach any of that. And so, while psychiatry, hear me out, has taught us how the brain functions, it has helped us in that way. It cannot answer eternal questions because it denies God. It denies his truth. And so what we need to understand is what Galatians 6 is teaching us about who God wants to use to come alongside others and be a help to them. And so under Galatians 6, you'll see verses 1 to 5 there, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye that are spiritual can do what? Restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Who should bear the burdens? Well, a, a professional. No, no, no. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill whose law? The law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Verse 4 reminds us that God has completely equipped me to live the spiritual life. He's given me his word. He's given me the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. 
And if I'll abide in the vine as a branch, he gives me everything I need to produce fruit. If I'll put on the armor of God, who can I overcome? Ephesians 6. Principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. We are overcomers. I could say more about that, but who does God want to use? Again, your handout. Brethren will be overtaken. God predicted it. Okay, taken by surprise, overpowered. Brethren will be overtaken. I will be. The potential there is great. You can be. We're still in this flesh. So that's the reality. In a fault means to trespass. Okay? Brethren need to be restored. Need to be restored. It's an urgent need. It's as critical as an emergency room doctor setting a broken bone or joint. That's the idea, okay? And so here are, the, here are the points that we considered last time. Who's qualified? Well, verse 1 tells us those who are spiritual. Letter A, those of the Spirit, those who are indwelt by the Spirit. Was Jesus, when he walked on this earth, capable of helping every need, yes or no? Yes. Here's what Jesus said to the disciples. It's needful that I go away. I'm going to go back to heaven, and I'm going to send a comforter to live inside you who is a comforter of the very same as I am. Why? Because God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are one. You have Jesus living in you if you're a born-again Christian. By the way, there's only one kind of Christian, a born-again Christian. Okay. So indwelt by the Spirit of God. And everything that the Spirit has promised in His, through His indwelling ministry, you have that capacity through Him, just like as the disciples walked with Jesus. So who can help others? Christians. Why? Because it was never up to you. Yield to the Holy Spirit and watch what He can do through you. That's the point. And then let her be those walking in the Spirit. Now, if you're not walking in the Spirit as a Christian, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I, you've heard me say it before, one of the orneriest critters on planet Earth is a Christian not right with God. I've met them. Don't ask my wife, but there may have been times I resembled that. We need to walk in the Spirit and so that we don't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. But if we're walking in the Spirit, how mightily God can use us. Remember that group of disciples that followed Jesus all over in his earthly ministry? Remember their struggles? Remember that they said things that they regretted and then when Jesus needed them the most, they ran? You remember all that? And then what happened after Pentecost when they were all indwelt by the Holy Spirit? The Roman world began to complain that these who have come here with this message, they're turning the world upside down. How's that happen? Not the same set of disciples. The same group of disciples, Holy Spirit controlled. That's the answer. 
And as we're studying through the book of Acts, couldn't be stopped. In fact, if you killed them, more Christians just stepped into their place to declare the glorious gospel. And so look underneath those walking in the Spirit. Without Him, we can do nothing. But remember, Jesus is the wonderful counselor who will guide the believer into all truth. Next, Jesus promised another comforter of the very same kind. We've already talked about that. He comes alongside as the wonderful counselor to give help, counsel to defend. And then the Holy Spirit alone produces spiritual fruit. When we think about psychology, when we think about people who are in psychotherapy, what do they really need? Well, they need to understand what's happening in their lives. They need peace. They want their joy to be restored, meaning to life. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Nobody has ever walked into a counselor and said, I've got a problem. I've got too much love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. What are they doing there? They want help. Who's the help? The one who produces that fruit. Now, Christians, this isn't complicated, but we do have to agree with God. And so, brethren who are spiritual, of the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit, they're qualified to help. By the way, when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, knowing what it says and how to apply it. So if you're spirit-led, you're hungering for the truth. You're studying so that you can be useful to help others. Number two, who can counsel, who can disciple brethren who desire to restore? Going back to verses 1 and 2, there's a command to restore. The Greek word restore as the idea refers to a limb that has been dislocated, the obvious suffering to the rest of the body. I would compare what this is showing us, what this is teaching us, to the fact that the church is the body of Christ. So we come alongside with compassion, wanting to restore, but we also realize the restoration is necessary for the health of the body. If you know a member at Good News Baptist Church is struggling, it's not just that they're struggling, your body is going to struggle. We are members one of another. That's what Paul told the Corinthians. So if you become aware, come alongside and pray with them. Try to help them. Take them to the Word of God. And if you need someone to come alongside and help you, the pastoral staff, other godly uh, men and women can assist with that. By the way, Paul, uh, speaking to Titus, reminds uh, him that in the church, it's the older women that are to be instructing the younger women. The older men who are to be instructing the younger men. And then with what we've already seen, older women who are spirit-controlled, Older men who are spirit-controlled. I'm so thankful that at Good News, there are a lot of those folk around here. You can get help. You can get help. 
So those who desire to restore, those who care. Do you ever go home after a service, after a Lord's Day, Wednesday night, and is there ever somebody on your heart that you're burdened for because I didn't see him there again? Or in my fellowship, my interaction with him, I learned some things, and Lord, i got to bring him to you in prayer. And God, I want to be used to help restore them. Does that ever happen? Hmm. And then it tells us what kind of spirit we ought to have. And with a spirit of meekness, the power to have humble gentleness in the face of difficulty and adversity. So meekness is power under control. Someone who is humble is willing to let God control them and through that power to make a difference in the lives of others. Number three, who can disciple and counsel brethren who are honest about themselves, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. You can see the quote there from Barnes. But I need to be reminded every time I see a Christian stumble and fall, I can do the same thing. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Well, I would never do that. Whoa, be careful. You just stepped onto dangerous ground. Remember Peter? I'll never deny you. Just that statement alone, based on what the scripture says, Peter, you're already in trouble. There was no humility in that. Peter failed. All right, so we consider ourselves. Now, Lord, as I come alongside to help, help me have a spirit towards them that reminds them, I don't think I'm any better. I'm not, I'm not any more righteous because we both have the righteousness of Christ. We don't have any of our own. Lord, help me not to communicate that I'm this great success in this area. If there's any success, help me to communicate to them. I yielded to God. God gave me the victory and he can give you victory too. But it requires humility. Considering thyself. Move on to number four, and this is where we're going to finish up uh, looking with, uh, at, at these truths more specifically. Brethren who bear their own burdens. All right, so verses four and five. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Now, this isn't saying depend on yourself. Okay, please understand that. But if I yield to the Holy Spirit and I allow him to work through me to fulfill my own responsibility, it will produce rejoicing. Because I'm doing what I know God expects me to do, though it's through his power for his glory. You cannot come alongside somebody else who has a spiritual need if you're defeated. By the way, that's the secret as to why some Christians never fulfill Galatians chapter 6. They're so defeated, how could I ever come alongside somebody else and tell them there's hope in Christ? So let God work through you to give you victory so that you can be a help to others. 
Now, what are these burdens? You see the word uh, burdens in verses 2 and verse 5. The first one, verse 2, this is a burdensome weight that's assisted by others. What do we mean? This is a weight where you're going to need somebody to help lift that load. Okay? That's part of God's plan. How do we know? Romans 15.1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We all have ups and downs, right? But as we're walking with the Lord, when we see somebody else is struggling... Take time to help lift that load, to pray with them, offer to come by and help with a project, something that has them uh, burdened down. Today we're receiving in both services the benevolent offering. That's another way that you can help bear one another's burdens. I hope that you are in the habit of giving generously towards that. What does 1 Thessalonians 5.14 say? Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient towards all. This is why we have to walk in the Spirit because I will tell you just from a pastoral perspective that sometimes when I'm shouldering a burden that I need to give to God, it's then that other burdens from other people, things that God allows me to see their needs, those will come upon me. And, that, and God reminds me in this text, be patient. Be patient. All right, so I'm letting God deal with my burdens, and then I need to be willing to help lift the burdens of others. No one in their earthly ministry shouldered burdens like Jesus Christ. So he's in flesh on the earth and he's running a universe. But when mothers come with their little children and want him to bless them, what does Jesus do? The disciples say, we're too busy for this. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God. We're all his little children if we know him as Savior. All right. And so we help bear the burdens of others. Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye that are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you, unless it's just some complicated emotional, mental thing, and then you probably ought to go see a professional. I'm being, I'm being silly, but you're getting the point. No, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. I am meek, lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest for your soul. So, burdensome weight. Be willing to come alongside and assist others. Be patient. All of us want to come alongside this week and have it fixed next week. Seldom works that way. Weeks later, you're praying, you're helping them bear up, you're counseling them. Be patient. Don't be weary in well-doing. But then verse 5, these do go together. Verse 5 talks about another kind of burden. Every man shall bear his own burden. 
Verse 2 is a crushing load. Verse 5 is the idea of a backpack. Everyone has the responsibility to carry the load that God has given to them. This is a task or a service assigned by God. So there are things that where we're going to need the assistance of others from time to time, but then there are burdens and responsibilities I have that are assigned by God. Listen to me. Don't you go to another believer and ask them to carry the load God told you to carry. By the way, here's what else I've learned. If you don't carry your own load, your own burden, if you don't learn to depend on the Lord, your own burden will become so heavy that then somebody else is going to have to come in and try to intervene. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are added unto us. All right? You can be encouraged by seeing God work in your own life. The fingerprints of God, as the lady sang a little while ago. You're, you're going to get to see that. But if you're not shouldering your own burden, walking with the Lord, growing, depending on the Lord, you're not going to be in any shape to help anybody else with their burden. In fact, you're going to look at their burdens as just a burden. Leave me alone. We're here for others. All right, so brethren who bear their own burdens, those assigned by God uh, to uh, themselves personally and then in assistance to others. Matthew 16, 24, if any will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow. God gives you personal responsibilities. The cross is his will. 1 Corinthians 3, 8, now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. All right. Number five. Brethren who take sin seriously are qualified to disciple and counsel others. Brethren who take sin seriously. I was listening to the radio coming in, another preacher this morning, and he was thundering on this point, and I thank God. Boy, did it help me with my perspective uh, as, as I came into the pulpit today. We live in a world that denies sin, denies Romans chapter 1. Why are there so many people confused about so many things? Romans 1. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. They don't want to give God his rightful place. He turns them over, turns them over. And what is the ultimate result of that? They can't tell the difference between good and evil. A reprobate mind. That's our world. We are the most medicated society on planet Earth right now. And we're the happiest no, we're not. We're selfish. We're angry. The headlines are full of the abuse that Americans do to each other. And oh, by the way, we're killing ourselves, the suicide rates, especially with those who are confused and have denied God his rightful place. Those suicide rates are off the charts. So let's have a parade and let's be proud about that. No, 
It's a mess. Let's be honest about it. Not proud, let's be honest about it. And so Christians see the problem. We take sin seriously and it's not easy, but with the spirit of meekness we need to come alongside and say, look, I'm a sinner too. But here's what God says and here's what's causing your problem. How many of you come home and you say, the doctor was not nice to me today. Honey, what do you mean? He told me my problem. Sounds like he cared. Christian, do you care? Tell them the real reason they're struggling in their lives. And be honest about why you're struggling in your life if you're tolerating some sin. Let's take a closer look. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh, fleshly passions, those corrupt passions, will of the flesh reap corruption, decay, what's disgusting. But he that soweth to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. By the way, that everlasting life, it's not something you get, Christian, it's something you have now. Why? Because Jesus, who is our life, is your eternal life, and he lives you in you right now by his Spirit. Those who sow to the Spirit have life, abundant life, and life everlasting. All right? So God will not be mocked, outwitted, made to look ridiculous, well, I did what I wanted. I know what God said. I did what I wanted. I beat the rap. No, you didn't. Whoo! I got to have my way, my fun, and I escaped any repercussions. No, you didn't. You're never going to make God look silly. Ever. By the way, what you're experiencing is his mercy if the, if the judgment hasn't come yet. So don't mistake the two. God will not be mocked. Letter B, man cannot stop the reaping. So what you sow, you're going to reap. Now some, this is something very important for a disciple or a counselor to remember. Many times, thinking back over the years of ministry, folks have come to me and here's been the whole thing. Pastor, can you help stop the reaping? Now, they don't say that, but, you know, I did this, and, and this has happened. How do you think I should, I should deal with these repercussions? Time out. Have you dealt with the sin? Has there been genuine confession? God, here's what I did. Here's what you say about what I did. God, I'm broken about it. Psalm 51, broken about it. It was wrong. God, would you take this out of my life? Lord, help me never to do it again. Has it been dealt with that way? Because I know the one, if you're a Christian, you know the one who can stop the reaping. But there's only one. It's the Lord. I love the story of the prodigal son. Uh, because he, he gets away from the Lord and, and wastes his substance. He's sowing. Is there going to be any reaping? Help me. Yeah. He's in a pig pen. He's eating what the pigs are. It's awful. 
And so he comes to himself and he says this, I'm going to look to heaven and I'm going to make things right there and then I'm going back to dad and I'm going to make things right with him. He gets back to dad and we see how God handles the reaping. First of all, we don't read that this, this kid is broken in his health. That's a miracle. As a farm boy, we raised pigs, but I'm so thankful the pigs were out there and we were in the house, okay? It stinks out there. But to have to live out there and eat what they're eating? But God helped with the reaping because he was willing to repent and he comes back and there's full restoration. But by the way, don't forget, there was still reaping. Did he ever get his inheritance back? Never did. Never did. It was gone. That's okay. He was right with God and right with others. And I believe today he's with God. All right. So man cannot stop the reaping. So to the flesh there's corruption. What does James 1.15 tell us? When lust hath conceived, brings forth sin. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. Here's what Criswell said about that. Desire having conceived continually gives birth to sin, and sin, when it reaches maturity, continually gives birth to death. But if you sow to the Spirit, there's life everlasting, the fruit of sanctification and eternal reward. So let's close. According to Scripture, the qualifications for discipling the hearts and minds of others, what are they? Well, it has very little to do with education in psychology. Now, as a ministerial student, I took several hours of psychology. Adolescent psych, uh, we took one, one class. This was in a Bible college. Took one class on ab abnormal psychology. All of that stuff. Okay. Did it on the, uh, at the seminary level. And all of that helped, and here's how it helped. It helps us understand some things about how the mind works. It helps us understand, if they're honest, that the mind doesn't work separately than the rest of the body. And we're going to see this as we continue in this series. Your physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, we're fearfully, wonderfully made, and that's all interconnected. So if there are struggles in one of those areas, the other areas can be affected. That's the way it works. Psychology helps us understand that as long as we're looking at psychology through a biblical lens. I know there are young people, young adults, I'm going to go study psychology. <clears throat> That's only okay if it's through a biblical prism. Otherwise, you run the risk of them convincing you not to be a biblicist. Be careful! And Paul talks about these, these doctrines of men based on humanism. Do you know what the Humanist Manifesto says? There is no man or, or no God. Man is God. It says it. Okay, so it has little to do with education in psychology. It has much to do with 
enablement by the Spirit. And have we not seen that together? I can do all things through Christ. How many things? Really? Do you believe that? That's what God said. And I know you do. And by the way, it has much to do with empathy for a wayward brother. Empathy for a wayward brother. If you really care about somebody, you're going to do all you can to meet their real needs. Not just be a sounding board. Okay, tell me. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I was a help to them. I heard them describe the problem. No, you're a help to them if you help them address the problem. What does James 5, 19 and 20 say? Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, so we're talking to Christians. If there's someone in your assembly, another brother, sister in Christ, who has erred from the truth, and one, who's the one? Spiritual, willing to restore, honest about self, compare the two. And one, convert him. What does that mean? Well, it can't be salvation because he's speaking to brethren. Convert literally means turn him back. Turn him back. I got converted one time walking in London, England. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, they drive the wrong direction over there. So for an American, when, now they disagree. I hope I didn't make anybody mad, all right, when I just said that. But if you're an American, you come up to a street, across a street, you look the wrong direction and step out in front of a car. I almost did it, but I got converted. I went to step out and I felt a hand grab me. <laughs> Come back here, Pastor. They're coming from that direction. <sighs> All right. So that's the idea. They err from the truth. One, turn him back. Let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. Let him keep sinning. It's deadly. And shall hide a multitude of sins. So in a spirit-controlled local church, there is sinning that goes on. Ugh. And you and I have to deal with it in our own lives every single day. But there are other things that happen that could escalate to be something that would affect many, hurt the testimony, a little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. But why don't we hear about more of that? Because there are brethren who care enough to come alongside and convert other brethren. Stop, come back here. Don't, what are you doing? Don't go there. Come, come. Here's the way, walk in it. And so they are helped of avoiding a bunch of trouble and other things that could come into their lives. So Christian, God can use you. He wants to use you. And he has equipped you through his spirit to be what you need in your walk with him and what others need in your walk with him. Now, this, this goes against the sentiment in our society and in this world. I choose to believe God. 
I hope you will too. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for encouraging us with the truth that you have given us all that we need pertaining to life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ. Where's that knowledge found? It's found in your word. It's not found in us innately. It's found in your word through inspiration. And so, Lord, help us to be more aware. Help us to have empathy that the love of Christ through us might be shed abroad to those that are lost and to those that are saved, that we might be there to encourage and to help. Father, would you cause this church to be a disciple-making church where, Lord, we teach all things, including the fact that if we know you, you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, a sound mind consistency emotionally. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.